you turn now your attention to the passage that we've already looked at briefly, and now I want to draw your attention to this wonderful passage of Scripture. Study this morning our victorious faith. Let me begin this morning by reminding you that virtually 100% of humankind expresses some form of faith. They believe in the inevitable. Some people have faith in faith. Some people have faith in hope. Some people have faith, unfortunately, in the Congress of the United States of America. Some people have faith in our state government. You are exercising faith in sitting in your chair, driving your car. You have faith that the person that designed the car and built the car, and as you got on the freeway, and it's driving along at 75 miles an hour, you're expressing faith in the people that built it. You may not think of it that way, but faith for it to be real and other than wishful thinking must have an object. Faith that is just wishful thinking, faith that is in something ethereal, in other words, it's just mental, faith in an emotion, faith in hope, those things, quite frankly, are foolish because there is no capacity for those things to ever become a reality. I've seen some of you recently in Jensen's, and if you don't want me to know these things, don't buy lottery tickets in front of me. (laughs) You express faith that somehow that money that you gave to that cashier is going to result in you having the winning ticket. Okay, You have faith in something that's stacked against you at that point in time. Read the odds on there. People express faith. The question is, who's your faith in? Because if your faith doesn't have an object, you're in trouble. If you're just sitting around wishing good thoughts, you know, it's like when you hear those people, well, we're just thinking of you. You know what? Just thinking of someone doesn't do a thing. may make you feel better, but it accomplishes nothing. Faith must have an object. And our faith is in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the Great I Am. Jehovah Jireh, He's our healer and our provider. He he is all of these things, the captain of our souls. He's our strength and our fortress and our strong tower. He's the creator of heaven and of earth. Our faith is in a real person who came to this earth to prove that your faith has validity. Your faith in Jesus Christ is what matters this morning. And I pray as we look at this passage that you'll place your faith in none other and that we will stop dancing around the issue of who Jesus is. We need to make sure that people know that our faith, my faith, your faith is in Jesus Christ. Because that's saving faith. Would you pray with me? Father God, as we commit now this passage to you, and Lord Jesus, that you made this time this morning specifically for us, that you there at the beginning of creation, as your word declares to us, that you indeed 
were the Lord over creation. Lord, you knew these moments and you knew who would be here today and you count each one of us, Lord, in your kingdom who know you by name. We ask you to speak to us now as individuals. Lord, as we study your word, would it become something that emboldens us with faith that is in you, Jesus? We bless you. We thank you for this time, this day. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray these things. Amen. Verse 8 here in 2 Timothy 2. And remember that Jesus Christ... Now please understand this. Most people believe in Jesus. And hear me well. If you go around the world and you talk to people about Jesus, you will get agreement with a vast majority of them that Jesus was a real person. That he lived sometime around 2,000 years ago, that he was an itinerant preacher that kind of went around to the region of Galilee, that he lived a humble life. They will give you all of the human things about Jesus. But there is a different part of what we know about who Jesus is that is the part that says Christ. Because that's the Messiah. That's the anointed one. That's the one who came to this earth that the whole of the Bible talks about. That one day would come and deal with what came upon mankind through the sin of Adam. For Scripture declares to us, through one man, Adam, sin entered into the world, and through sin, death. So when Adam sinned, all of us as humankind got that lovely sin nature we now possess. The consequences of that lovely sin nature is death. And it is both death in a practical sense, which means all will die, and worse yet, it's death in a spiritual sense unless the sin's taken care of. Jesus Christ came to take care of both those things. Conquered sin, conquered death. In order to do that, he's got to be pretty specific and very unique in all of the universe. That's what this passage says. Remember that Jesus Christ, the seed of David. Why does that say that? It's kind of weird. But there's a reason for it. Because the seed of David makes him fully human. It means that Jesus Christ had a literal lineage. And that literal lineage could be, cha- could be chased all the way back to the king, David. And that you could look at his life and go, he is a direct descendant of David. And what scripture declares about David is upon your throne, O David, there would never cease to be a king. Well, David died. David's heritage, in essence, would have died with him unless David's heritage, in the human sense, is passed along to one who's eternal. Notice what it says. And was raised from the dead According to my, Paul's gospel was the gospel of Jesus Christ, his Lord. So what it says here is, Jesus Christ, fully man, fully God. Seed of David, raised from the dead. So he's saying, that Jesus, very different than just the historical figure. That Jesus, very different than just a good man. 
Very different than as Islam teaches. He was a prophet. Exalted prophet. But a prophet and definitely not God. And definitely not God's son. Islam has a different Jesus. Mormon church, different Jesus. In fact, the brother of Lucifer. According to Mormon theology. Not one and only son, but one of many sons of Elohim. Different Jesus. Definitely not God, but one of many gods, which you could become one day. You see, when you boil it down, your faith better be in Jesus Christ. Because there's a lot of competing Jesuses out there. According to my gospel, Paul's gospel was very clear. He's already preached it. Jesus Christ alone for salvation by faith. Notice what he says next. For which I suffer trouble as an evildoer. The word translated there is actually the word criminal. Paul was willing to be treated as a criminal. It's only used once in the whole rest of Scripture in the Gospel of Luke referring to the two thieves on the cross. They were criminals. Paul says, I am willing to be treated as a criminal to preach Jesus Christ to you. I'm willing to die to preach Jesus Christ to you. You see, here's the problem. I don't care where you go in the world. You can talk to virtually anybody, including atheists and agnostics, about God. They may mock you. They may call you, you know, loopy. They may look at you and think that you are touched. But they will talk to you about God. They'll try and explain him away, but they'll talk to you about God. Who they will not talk to you about is Jesus Christ. Who mankind generally rejects is Jesus Christ. People love talking about God. Every basketball, every game. God, help us to stomp them into the dirt. Everybody wants the direct path. Can I share with you, there is no path apart from Jesus. If you believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. There is no other path. This is victorious faith. Do you see the object of your faith? The object of your faith is Jesus Christ. He's the one that can make good on the promise to deal with your sin problem and mine and to offer in its place eternal life. Even to the point of chains, but the Word of God is not chained. This is the story of Jesus Christ. That's what this is. Genesis to Revelation, this is the story of Jesus Christ. Is it God's story? Yes, but it's principally the story of redemption began in the Garden of Eden. The story there was Adam and Eve blew it. Amen? The rest of you along with them blew it. Amen? Probably this morning when you got up, you blew it. Amen? Thank you for Jesus Christ, who is my Lord. 
Because he's the one that can free you from the bondage of sin and death. He is the one to whom you pray that cleanses you from all unrighteousness and forgives your sin. It's his blood that we celebrate. It's his body we celebrate. You see, that Jesus saves. God himself saves no one directly. Do you understand that? There's no direct path. When somebody says, I pray to God, it doesn't save them. When somebody says, I believe in God, it doesn't save them. When somebody says, I have my own path to God, it is a path from the pit of hell. They are deluded. They are not saved. There is only one name under heaven whereby men may or must be saved. That's it. Paul said, I'm willing to lose my head for the name of Jesus Christ. I'm willing to die so that I can preach Christ with the end of my life. Because he was confident of what comes next. And therefore, I endure all things. If you're enduring all things because you think your 401k is going to work out someday, you're going to be disappointed. If you're enduring all things because you think maybe the last 20 years of your life you're going to be able to play a lot of golf, you're going to be disappointed. If you're enduring all things because you think your children will never do a dumb thing the rest of their days, you're just silly. If you're enduring all things because you think one day our government's actually going to learn how to spend money properly, you're really crazy. There's only one reason for enduring what we endure. There's only one reason for enduring cancer. There's only one reason for enduring the difficulties of life and the hardships that we go through. There is only one object of our faith. There's only one reason to endure, and that is for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ going forward so that more people can join us in heaven. That's it. That is all there is. That's the reason behind everything. I'm going to go take dominion over trout in a couple of weeks for Jesus. <laughs> Everything we do should speak the name of Jesus. Do all, Paul said, to the glory of God in Christ Jesus. You see, that's where my faith is placed. That is whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep them who are committed to him unto the day of Christ Jesus. My eternal reward is what I'm waiting for. I am not waiting for my stocks to mature. They matured in the last two days. Matured into nothing. Your home is not maturing. It's actually falling apart, okay? Your garments, as Scripture declares, will wear out. Your tent will decay. But he who does the will of God the Father abides forever. My faith is in him. And so he says, for this is a faithful saying, he reminds us, guys, ladies, gentlemen, those who would hear these words even today as we do, this is a faithful saying, for if we died with Him, do you realize when Jesus died on Calvary's cross, you died with Him? 
Your sin nature died on Calvary's cross. When Jesus said it is finished, when He cried out and uttered with His last breath, Father, into Thy hands I commit my spirit, your spirit because of Him also committed to God the Father. Sealed. Done. Finished. Complete in Him. Nothing needs to be added. No other ingredient do you need. That's why Scripture declares that by the works of the flesh, no one is justified. That those works that you now do, you don't do to gain favor. You already have that with God in Christ Jesus. You do that for the reward that awaits those who live their lives godly. He says, for we, if we died with him, we shall also live with him. Hallelujah. Notice the if and the shall. Notice that. It's that simple. Did any of you get crucified? I hope you didn't. Are any of you trying to earn your salvation? I hope you're not. You see, you are saved by faith. Through the grace of God, which is a gift to you. By believing in Jesus Christ. Not just the historical Jesus, Jesus Christ, who is then your Lord. It's actually very simple. Now, people like to pull the parts apart. Well, I like Jesus the guy. Because, I mean, you know, he did the whole wedding thing at Cana of Galilee, and I like the fact that he did the miracles and healed people. You know, that's just, that's exactly what we need in this country. We need more healing. No, what we need is more Jesus Christ, who is the Lord. That's what we need. You see, if he's not those component parts then I ask you, is he Jesus Christ at all? Is he actually the Savior? Because unless he's all of it, Scripture says he's none of it. You can't have a Jesus who is your Lord and Master without him being your Savior. You can't have him as a Savior unless he's your Lord. So he says, we will live with him. Eternal life is what waits in the balance for that one decision. Who is Jesus to you? Do you have victorious faith in Jesus Christ, who is your Lord? Because if you've got some other path, some other way, it doesn't lead where you think it does. For if we endure, we shall also reign with Him. The point to our endurance, the point to this test, the point to the trials, the temptations that you endure, the things that you undergo in life, the problems that have occurred in you, with you, to you, even through you, all of those things have a purpose in Christ Jesus. That's why Scripture declares to us there in Romans 8.28 that all things work together for the good. For, don't leave that for out, for those who love God. How do we love God? By committing our life to Jesus Christ. You can't abide in the vine unless you're in the vine. You, you can't be saved unless you've named Him as your Lord. So as you give your life to Him and you say yes to Jesus Christ, then these promises come to you. If we endure, 
we shall also reign with him. There's a point to all of this. I am so glad that in Christ Jesus there's a point to all of this. Because if I thought at the end of 80, 90, maybe 100 years of God hates you, because quite frankly, I don't know why anyone would actually want to stay on this earth for a long period of time. I'm kind of thinking, eh, Lord, you can take me home. But think for a moment, if this was all there was, is that not sad? Is that not tragic? Think about it. If all there is to life is 70, 80, 90, 100 years of struggle and turmoil, and then you gasp for your last breath, and that's it. It's over. How sad is that? But you realize what Scripture says? Is that the best day of your life? That the end of your life on this earth is the end of the enduring and the struggling and the trials? Your earthly time is over and your heavenly life now fully begins in earnest, reigning with Jesus Christ? Hallelujah! There's a goal. There's an end to all of this. That's why when people say, well, I don't know what my purpose is. In Christ Jesus, your purpose is to get through this life telling other people about Jesus Christ, and one day you inherit the glories of heaven. That's it. Now, for some of you, you're going to do that as a doctor or a lawyer. You're going to do that in construction. You're going to do that as a teacher. You, you may do that as, as a stay-home mom. You may do that as someone who works for the National Parks. Who knows what you might do during that time, but the goal is Jesus Christ as Lord. That's the message that we have for the world. You see, I can give advice on all manner of things. I read, I study, I'm like, well, yeah, I know what to do about that. But the one piece of advice that needs to most frequently come from the body of Christ, because the gospel is not chained, is to know Jesus, is to know God. That without Him there is no salvation. All the faith in the world and happy thoughts. You can have a Disneyland mentality about the entire world. It's the magic kingdom. You know, I'm just wishing and hoping. Sprinkle some pixie dust on your friend's head and they'll still perish and burn eternally. Tell them about Jesus Christ. Make sure they know who your Savior is. Why? One of the most scary passages in the entire Bible is the next two lines. For if we deny him, he also will deny us. When someone comes to you and says, I have another route to heaven. Scripture plainly declares that there is no other route to heaven. That there's only one name that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. doesn't matter where you exist. That that's the name you're going to confess one day. You're either going to confess Him as Lord and be in heaven, or you're going to confess that you blew it and spend eternity separated from Him. This is serious business, folks. And it's not to be trifled with. And certainly shouldn't be trifled with by us who have received the grace gift. Who have been brought near to the, to the God who loves us by the blood of His only begotten Son. We shall not and cannot and must not 
miss this issue. We need to tell people about Jesus Christ. We need to make sure that they know that there is a Savior. Not just a God who will one day judge them without Jesus the Savior. To know about God is to just simply know that one day you're going to be judged. That's it. What He does providentially while we're here on this earth, He causes it to rain on the just and the unjust. He gives blessings to people even though they don't deserve them. But that all ends when you take your last breath without Jesus. Tough passage. For if we deny Him, He will also deny us. But I love how He ends this little hymn, if you will. For if we are faithless, love this, He remains faithful. Amen? You see, it's not predicated on you. You're not going to get to heaven because of anything you did. You're going to get to heaven because of what Jesus did on Calvary's cross. You are going to, in essence, ride Jesus' coattails into heaven. Your debt will be paid by Him. You won't pay your debt. That's why Paul said, and all of my works were as filthy rags. For the works of the flesh, no man is justified. Scripture is replete with those admonitions that say, the things that you do on this earth would never, could never, shall never be good enough to get you into heaven. I know a lot of people that they're banking on that last minute decision. Scripture doesn't declare that that's a wise investment. Scripture says and declares very plainly that without Jesus, you perish. Eternally. For he remains faithful. Why? Because he cannot deny himself. Jesus came to this earth for the express purpose of redeeming mankind. He came to accomplish that plan which we could never accomplish in and of ourselves. If you want to see that in action, look at study world religions. When you look at what world religions have attempted to do, those are in essence man reaching up to God, trying to find a way to get there. Well, my religion says this, you know, if you just do this, this, and this, and you buy my books, and you study this little outline, and you confess these specific things, that somehow that will make you good enough to get to heaven. My Bible says that no one is good enough to get to heaven. Jesus Christ and faith in Him where we started. The object of our faith alone cleanses you from all unrighteousness and forgives you your sin so that God the Father looks on your life as if you had never sinned. 100% perfect in Christ Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but unless that came to me by faith, I am toast. I'm done. It's over. If that were up to me to keep that standard, you see, even the keeping power of God is based in Christ Jesus as Lord. My faith being in Him has now produced in me a work of the Spirit to where I have victory over that sin. But is that victory complete? Not while we're on this earth in these fleshly bodies. Amen? I think we can all, we don't need no show of hands how much sinning you've done this week. Not necessary. 
I don't need to, you know, count the number of liars in the room. No, we're not perfect. We still sin. Can you imagine if you kept yourself, you kept yourself into the day of Christ Jesus? And all of a sudden you get out to the end of your life and, and, and you're trying to have no impure thought on the day you die. You're, you're trying not to think anything that's contrary to the Word of God on the day you die. You're trying to plan the day you die so that you don't do anything the day before you die. You're looking at all, oh man, I gotta plan out the day I die because I need to be perfect when I take my last breath. You see, even the keeping power of the Spirit rests on the finished work of Jesus Christ. Without Him, we're all dead in our trespasses and sins. Every last one of us. But with Him, we'll reign with Him. Hallelujah. You see, your faith is in God's own Son. Your faith is in the Savior of the world, the Alpha, the Omega, the Great I Am, the uncaused cause of everything that is existing in the entire universe, in the One who's provided everything, in the One who can heal anything. He is the absolute sum and total of everything necessary to guarantee you the glories of God. Nothing needs to be added. That's why when he defeated death, it was done. Nothing can defeat. That blood that flowed down from Calvary's cross, most powerful substance in the universe, because it took care of something that could otherwise never be done. His precious blood shed in your place. His life poured out for your life, my life, our lives, and anyone who will believe in him. And that man that died was God in human flesh. That's why John's Gospel declared him our Emmanuel. Amen? God with us. Fully human and yet fully God. As I think on this passage as I was studying this morning, I'm reminded of Peter's sermon. If you remember Peter's sermon in Acts chapter 4, we covered it some months ago. But if you remember that sermon, Peter has been... Filled with the Holy Spirit. And he now goes out and he's preaching to a largely Jewish audience. Okay? He preaches a sermon at the mention of which and the culmination of that sermon, 3,000 people get saved at once. The power of that sermon was the message of the cross. That's it. Now remember who he's saying it to. People who have believed that they have a special place with God and the Jewish people do. People who believe that their dispensation with God was different than the whole rest of the world. And they did. But people who nonetheless could never be saved by the sacrificial system and all of the temple rites. When the high priest went in, he only put away sin for another year. When they put their hands on the head of the scapegoat and sent it into the wilderness, it only forestalled the inevitable. Nobody was ever made right by anything having to do with Judaism. Abraham, Scripture says, saved by faith. David, saved by faith. Isaac, saved by faith. Rachel, the, all these incredible people of the Old Testament, all were saved by faith, believing that one day the King of kings and the Lord of lords would come. 
And when he said it is finished, then they received the fullness of the gospel message and were actually eternally saved. They were waiting for Jesus because there wasn't an Old Testament way and a New Testament way. There has always only been, gee, imagine that, 1 John 14, 6. I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life, and no man comes to the Father. Not Abraham, not Isaac, not David. No man came to the Father but by Jesus Christ. That message is the message Peter preached. It says there in verse 8 of Acts 4, And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Now, if you imagine this for just a moment, Jewish audience, Peter's not going to be really well received when he says this. Rulers and people of, and elders of Israel, if this day we were judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, that man obviously was Jesus who he's referring to, by what means he has been made well, then let it be known to all of you, to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him, this man himself, stands here before you whole, and the beggar that was with him, and the blind man that was healed, and the one who was lame from birth, all probably standing in the crowd. Yep, we were. that's what we were. This is the stone which you rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Verse 12. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men, whereby men must be saved. He's speaking that to the Jewish people. That message still stands today. That message is this message. There's no shortcut. There isn't an alternate route. There isn't a salvation that somehow sneaks in from Islam. There's not a salvation that somehow sneaks in from being a Latter-day Saint. There's no salvation in Hinduism. There's no salvation in Shintoism. There is no salvation in Buddhism. Without Jesus, Scripture declares, you will be lost for all eternity. So as the church, what are we to do? People need to know that our faith is in Jesus Christ as Lord. No shortcuts. No putting away the tough issue and just talking about God in general. No stating the issue. No saying, well, you know, I, it's just, it makes people really uneasy when I talk about Jesus. Yes, it will. It's supposed to. It separates out the sheep from the goats. It, it is at the name of Jesus that one day we're all going to enter in to reign with Him in heaven. You're not going to get there, well, I was kind of a Christo-Buddhist kind of thing. I don't know. You know, I really wasn't quite sure, so I just kind of dabbled in everything. And I'm sure that's good enough. Right, Lord? No, the answer is going to be, depart from me, for I have never known you. Family of God, we need, to, we need to preach Christ Jesus like we've never preached Him before. 
And I'm not suggesting you get a cardboard sign and go stand down there and tip at Canoe Avenue and compete with the guys that are, you know, begging for beer money or whatever. But what I am saying is, is that when you talk to those guys, tell them about Jesus. And when you go into the grocery store, tell them about Jesus, who is your Christ. Tell them who your Lord is. Because telling them about God isn't going to save them. It'll get them stimulated to think about it. It's certainly beneficial and helpful to some degree. But that's like going into the doctor's office. Well, I know you've got a heart condition, and I'm going to tell you, kind of, you should probably change your diet. No, by the way, I can give you these pills, but I'm not going to give you the pills because the, the pills are kind of costly. The pills will actually solve the problem. They'll keep you from dying. But I'm going to tell you what the cure is without telling you what the cure is. Tell them what the cure is. Tell them that Jesus Christ is your Lord. Because for me, I want everybody to reign with Him. I don't want to see anybody out of the kingdom. And if that makes it uncomfortable for me at times, Paul was willing to lose his head over the issue. We're going to endure whether you like it or not on this earth. Hear me well. You are going to endure whether you like it or not on this earth. The question is, what are you enduring for? The question is, what will be the culmination of your life? At the end of your life, will you have given people the cure to what ails them? Or will you have given them a general sense that there is a cure, but not told them who it is? Please, I implore you in the name of Jesus, my Savior and yours, tell them about Jesus, who is the Christ, who is your Lord. Because he's faithful. He'll save all who ask. To as many as believed in him, to them, he gave the right to become the sons of God. It's that simple. But we've got to tell them about Jesus Christ. We have to make sure that they know who our Savior is. Not just a historical figure by whom our calendar used to be dated. Not, not just some itinerant preacher, but the captain of your soul and your redeemer. Your friend who is closer than a brother. The one who loves you with an undying love, who he himself poured out his own blood to purchase you back from the bondage of sin and its consequences death. May we never sell short that victorious faith that we have. If we want others to have victorious faith, we need to give them the object of our faith. We need to make sure that they know that there isn't another name. We need to make sure that they know there isn't another path. We need to be very bold about, with great specificity, how it is that one becomes a child of God. And it's not going to church. They're going to hear about Jesus if they come here, that's for sure. But going to church doesn't save anyone. Owning a 65-pound Bible won't save anyone. Becoming a missionary won't save anyone. Jesus alone saves. Because he's the only King of kings, the only Lord of lords, the only Messiah of glory. And he is the only way for anyone to ever see heaven. Our future hangs on him. God's 
character is such that he cannot die, he cannot lie, and he absolutely will never fail to save the soul that trusts in Jesus Christ. All I've got to do is make sure that everybody knows who he is. He is faithful even when we are faithless. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, as we ponder this passage and think on it, Lord, we remember that each one of us who are here today that have named you as Lord and Savior, there was a time in our life when we were unsaved. We didn't know who you were. Some of us maybe fought that for a long time, but Lord, we realize that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God and that you desire for all men to be saved, to come to the knowledge of repentance. That is actually your plan. And Lord, in a very poignant way, that's the reason for those things that we endure. That's the reason that we've been left here on this earth. That's the reason that our lives actually matter. That we could share you with other people and they might be saved. Lord, we thank you that that veil was torn. Lord, that wall that used to be impenetrable between you and us was torn down with the blood of Jesus. And Lord Jesus, we thank you that you counted it not robbery to to place yourself on Calvary's cross to die for the sins of man. Lord, unfathomable is your love towards us. And we pray that that love that we have received, we would share with all we know. We bless you. We thank you. We praise you for this time. Lord, use us this week. Lord, use our lives to tell the world about Jesus, the Christ, who is our Lord. It's in his precious name we pray. Amen. Just stand. Let's worship our King.